Welcome back to Big Ideas on the Go. Uh, I'm excited to have uh, here for the first time uh, somebody representing a state government, uh, Secretary Michael A., uh, who is currently the CIO at the um, Secretary at the Department of Information Technology in the state of Maryland. Uh, so Michael or Mike, uh, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much. Really happy to get to spend a little time and talk with you today. Yeah, no, it's great. And I think this is kind of new or novel for us. Um, so it's great to get some of your, your perspective, having been um, uh, in, in the prior administration there. Uh, you obviously have some uh, great insights in terms of how states are approaching cloud security topics of that, that sort. But maybe before just we get started, it would be great to get some of your history perspective. Tell us a little bit about kind of your background, and then your current role at the Department of Information Technology. Terrific. Absolutely. Well, I uh, still have no idea what I want to be if I ever grow up, but uh, I was one of those kids who knew very early on I was going to be a surgeon, uh, studied biology and chemistry and such things, got to studying medicine and hated it. And so... Oh. Uh, in those days when you didn't want to study more biology or study medicine, you took the first job you could find. I went to work for Motorola and fell in love with the electronics industry. Uh, ended up going to law school. Uh, while I was in law school, I was a White House law fellow. And uh, from there worked for then Vice President Bush, um, the Task Force for Regulatory Reform. And uh, my second year ended up going to the Federal Trade Commission with Jim Miller. So started very early in my career doing public service. Uh, since then, I have spent most of my career in private industry. Uh, I ran the financial side of a division of Coke Industries. I was an investment banker and ran capital markets for Maryland National Bank, which at the time was about the fifth or sixth largest bank in the country. And uh, every decade, I determined I would take two years out to do public service. Uh, when I took this on for Governor Hogan, I, I said I would stay two years, and that was six years ago. So I broke my model. But uh, historically, I, I've worked in all three levels of government, federal, state, and local, and principally worked either as you know a department head or an advisor to the executive, and uh, still have plans to do lots of things I'm interested in uh, that circulate primarily around privacy and data. That was my law practice for the last ten years before I started doing this, and uh, a very exciting time to be interested in that field. No, that's terrific. And, you know, just uh, uh, I'm curious, obviously, it's remarkable to see somebody that has committed themselves uh, like you have to to public service and is still kind of giving up uh, two two years every decade to, to do that. What is the is there a particular motivation or story behind that? Well, I um, I have been extraordinarily blessed uh, throughout my life. Uh, you know, opportunities have come very easily to me. And the motivation, you know, very simply was 
government gets a bad rap generally. Uh, there, there is uh, lots of uh, concern about waste and fraud and the the typical knocks we have on bureaucracy. And and although there certainly is some of that, the the principal uh, problem in bureaucracies is that folks are afraid of taking calculated risks they because they're expected to be perfect and so when i have gone into government service i've attempted to show people that there is room for innovation and for them going with their gut so to speak and and taking measured risks to improve the services or the methodologies that they develop and provide services uh, to citizens and um you know it, it's uh, it's worked out very well so far yeah no look I, i'm always uh, um uh, very impressed and about people that uh, are, are willing to contribute because i do think uh, public service is important and i do think on top of that obviously serving the citizenry of maryland in your case or you know you served in a national or federal role as well so um uh, so kudos to you. So let's maybe talk about some of those challenges that are particular to state governments. Um, so maybe talk to us a little bit about um, the data challenges. You talked about kind of privacy as something you've done uh, from your kind of uh, private practice in, in, in law. Maybe talk a little bit about some of the challenges you encounter, whether it's interagency, whether it's privacy, security. What could you share? Well, I, I think it's all of those. And part of that is, uh, as we've all heard Doug Robinson from NASIO say, if you've seen one state, you've seen one state. Um, you know, the, the practices and processes and procedures that states use have grown up over a period of time. And folks, as I've said, have a mentality if it works, don't change it. And, and so there are so many opportunities to not only look at the technology, but the workflows and the processes themselves. And folks haven't in government thought seriously about the impact and importance of data. Each agency was historically doing their own thing. And we become more and more concerned now because of the value of that data to our citizens and to the state. So the security risks become all the more important. And folks are coming to realize the importance of privacy. Um, you know, historically, uh, folks have said, well, if you haven't done anything to be afraid of or wrong, you have nothing to fear. Well, that, that's just not the case. Um, there are so many things that we can attribute to individuals now based on looking at the data and making uh, projections about their wants and their needs, and in fact, influencing them so that people are becoming all the more concerned about their privacy. And the way this impacts the state is be because we have each agency going about their data foundations until recently, doing their own thing, they, they haven't thought about how they're going to classify or catalog their data, and many of them don't even know what data they have. So it's critically important if you're going to secure that data, both from the security standpoint and the privacy standpoint, you got to know what you've got and what you're using it for. And the laws are more and more pushing now toward minimization of data sharing and uh, giving the citizenry 
more control of their data themselves. So again, governments have to lead the way because people have expectations of them to protect them. That's our principal job. And so all of these questions become very important to how we do business as a government. Do you think there's one um, kind of problem set that is going to propel the innovation around data? Is it going to be kind of Citizen 360 to provide citizens kind of a, a, a statewide or, or civic-wide, depending if it's um, a small community uh, view of their data? Is it going to be privacy and giving them some control over how that data gets uh, consumed and shared? Is it going to be the migration to cloud that is going to uh, kind of uh, force a rethink? Or is it going to be all of the above? Well, I, I, I think it's all of the above. But the, the one piece that is critical that uh, is the one piece we all struggle with is how do we address the issues of identity? Uh, there are so many credentials today, and uh, blockchain has gotten a bad rap uh, because uh, although distributed ledgers are uh, useful tools, uh, trying to cram everything into that technology just hasn't worked well. But the concept of decentralized identity, where the citizen or the data subject controls the data about them, solves so many problems, both with regard to privacy and security. You know, from the privacy front, if you control the sharing, or in the case I push more that you allow people to query your data rather than you actually sharing it with them. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you simplify the sense of need uh, to minimization of data sharing, and you give that citizen complete control over how their data is used in specific circumstances. By way of security, you know, here in Maryland, my, my mantra is, uh, if we have one big data lake that has everything about our 6 million citizens, that's what people are going to steal. If you have 6 million separate accounts, it's kind of hard to hack the state. So uh, again, identity, I think, is going to be the key to implementing digital applications. And you know, young people seem less concerned about this, so they're already very adept at, at using mobile and digital applications. But uh, because of what's happened, the GDPR and elsewhere and what's going on now in California and Virginia and Colorado and other states that have uh, implemented their own privacy laws, I, I think we're going to be pushed more and more to addressing the issues around identity before we can actually integrate all of these services and applications to the citizens' use. And and do you think there's a role uh, for a blockchain as an example, or do you think some of that will be hastened through just better better data classification, cataloging, and even identity federation? Well, I, I think the the principal issues with a digital ledger go to the question of do you want to create a permanent record, which is what a blockchain does, of every transaction. I, I think that runs counter to one's privacy. So I, I do not think the solutions that go forward will be based on blockchain. But there are new methodologies and technologies uh, coming out every day like Carry or ACDC that uh, address the shortcomings of blockchain, blockchain mm -hmm. 
<laughs> but give citizens the same sort of privacy uh, attributes that they would have based on what folks have thought about using blockchain. Fantastic. And, and out of curiosity, you talked about kind of every state, no two states are kind of the same. And they all kind of evolved their own kind of approaches to um, uh, data integration um, and services to support this, the, the citizens. What do you see in the in the way of harmonization uh, across the states? You just referenced a couple of examples of states that have adopted privacy regulations more for their own um, uh, commercial companies. Do you see them kind of harmonizing on uh, certain types of laws, whether they're breach or privacy? Do you see them harmonizing on some kind of uh, portable identity? Um, what are your thoughts around how how we're going to look at data kind of interstate, uh, or is there even a need for that? Well, uh, again, my my hope is there is not a need for that because the goal to all of this is to minimize data sharing. But to the extent there is a need, uh, I suspect, as you've said, we will eventually agree on standards, uh, both for the security requirements and the privacy requirements. Uh, you know, Congress this past summer uh, looked at a bill to implement new privacy mandates uh, that specifically uh, were tailored toward giving citizens more control and toward data minimization, sharing minimization. And uh, I think we are going to see that move forward. The, the the principal issue, I think, with most states now uh, is the political question about centralization. And, you know, so many states are still operated as federated systems where the IT function is viewed more as those folks in the back room than as business partners. And as we uh, get better at uh, saving the taxpayers uh, hard-earned dollars uh, and looking at ways to simplify and automate processes while maintaining privacy and security, I, I think you are going to see standards arise that will become uh, utilized by more and more governments and private businesses over time. And, and and maybe as a last question, you know, we've kind of touched around it, but not maybe gone directly to the heart of it. You know, obviously there's uh, kind of the advent of cloud, there's an acceleration, cloud is not new, but there's certainly an acceleration. Uh, there's increased adoption. As you, met, as you mentioned, I think certain agencies, some may have their own data centers, some may have uh, cloud. How do you see that as a catalyzing factor in terms of uh, creating more interagency cooperation around uh, how they how they deal with um, citizen data? Absolutely, a very important question. And I, I suspect that uh, because the uh, principal value of the cloud today is uh, the fact that we can access data uh, from almost anywhere and spin up uh, cores to do compute around that data, we have enormous flexibility that didn't exist in the past. And I think the next big step will be uh, the interaction of governments and private businesses with various cloud providers uh, to take uh, 
the Chinese menu version, if you will, of how to best move the data uh, to utilize it for particular agencies so that even if uh, you are using multiple cloud providers or your own on-prem systems, there will be simplified ways to, you know, sort of classify and catalog the data so it's discoverable wherever you give folks permission to see it and uh, to use it uh, to access for their uh, intelligence work and uh, analytics work. Yeah, 100%. I think there's a value both in protecting the data and, again, trying to extract more value in terms of uh, services you provide the, the citizens. So, look, Mike, Secretary Lee, this is fantastic. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and taking uh, time out of your busy schedule. Um, so uh, thank you. And um, and to our audience, uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, and I'll just as a reminder, uh, please leave comments and subscribe wherever you download your podcast. So thank you, Mike, again. Thanks so much. It was great talking.